0: Uh, A huge welcome. I'm I'm Steve. Uh, If you are new or visiting us today, just it's a real privilege that you choose to come here. It takes takes a big step, a spiritual step to to come into any any church environment. So we just appreciate uh, that you've come here this morning. Uh, Today... Uh, I wanted to do a reading uh, of what we did at our very first service. If you were at our very first service, would you just stand or raise a hand? There weren't many of us. There was like maybe eight of us. (laughs) Dami was here. There was a few of us here. And we we just decided, let's just open the doors. Uh, Sandy Miller, the the founder of HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, he, he has this thing about church planting that what you do is you, you just open the doors and invite the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we decided to do about two years ago. We just opened the doors and we, we desperately need the Holy Spirit to be here. But at our very first service, we, we read Isaiah 61. And uh, if we could create a mission statement, it would be this one. The whole of that, that chapter would be our our mission statement. Unfortunately, all the communications experts uh, would say it's either too long, there's too much jargon, it's not attractional enough, and you couldn't fit it on a business card. Um, But over the years, God has been reminding us and uh, telling us about the kind of church that he is wanting to build in in Balam and beyond, and and what are some of the Uh, Some of the values that underpin this church, and and so we're going to go back to uh, Isaiah Isaiah 61 today. Uh, My hunch is that over the years, months ahead, we'll continually go back to Isaiah 61, and we're just going to pull out one phrase uh, from this uh, from this uh, scripture. I'm trying, Tammy. I'm trying. God speaks to people through all different ways. Sometimes through people, individuals. (laughs) Sometimes he speaks audibly, doesn't he? God speaks to some of us audibly uh, through scripture, through nature, through dreams and visions that God gives us. Uh, People found Jesus through looking at the stars. So God speaks to... His people through all different ways. Many of us have experienced unusual things, circumstances, coincidences, which can only be God. Uh, We believe that God isn't just an English man who speaks in an English accent. He uses many many ways (laughs) to communicate. And so our role is simply to listen, to lift up our sail and catch the wind of the Spirit. To see what the Holy Spirit is saying to, to us today. To see what Jesus is saying to his church today. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? About, uh, talking about one of these weird coincidences. About five or six years ago, over a period of six weeks, I kept waking up at 4.16am, 4.18am, 417 for 419 For every night, for about six, about six weeks. Uh, I didn't know whether it was the coffee... Viv's amazing chili that just kept me awake. Um, I didn't know it in, my, I, in my ignorance I didn't really realize it was God until I suddenly thought maybe, maybe God is trying to speak to me about this and so I felt prompted to go to Luke 4 and as I read Luke 4 uh, various cogs began to turn and jigsaw pieces began to come together uh, and Jesus was speaking about Isaiah 61 in, in, in Luke 4. He was proclaiming his mission statement. And as I began praying and meditating on, on this over, over the coming weeks, um, I, I don't know about you, how many of you know that what Jesus says about himself and his mandate, how many of you know that also Jesus says that to us as well? So he said of himself, I am the light of the world. And then he turns and he looks to you and me and he says, you're the light of the world. Or he, he goes and heals the sick and, uh, and then he turns to us and say, right, you now go and heal the sick. And so at that time, I felt five or six years ago, God say, be, be a pastor in Balaam. And as you walk around the community, act as if you are their pastor to care, to demonstrate and invite people to, to come to Jesus. All we are are signposts pointing towards Jesus I believe his call to us is to represent him, to represent him wherever we are, whenever we are. It might be that you're a single mum. You might work in a multinational corporation. You might run a charity. You might work in a coffee shop or run your own business. Uh, You might be unemployed, looking for work. You might be wandering the streets around your community. Uh, You may know loads of people. You may not know loads of people. Um, Whatever your circumstance, That you're in you are called each and every one of us are called to represent jesus to represent christ wherever you are and i want to give you that same call that god god gave me be a pastor everyone needs a pastor young people old people people in your workplace they just need pastors and they don't don't know it they don't realize it everyone needs someone they can talk to everyone needs someone that can care who can pray for them everyone needs someone who can show kindness encouragement Everyone needs someone who can show them Jesus. John and and Debbie Wright, who lead the Vineyard Movement across the UK and Ireland, they they said this, the Vineyard Movement is a movement of ordinary people, I love this bit, led by ordinary people, it kind of gives me hope. (laughs) The Vineyard Movement is is a movement made up of ordinary people like you and I, led by ordinary people like you and I, achieving extraordinary things (laughs) by the grace of God. And what we are about is about extending God's kingdom together, everywhere, in every way. We all get to be part of this. We all get to be part of this. And so, uh, why don't we read Isaiah 61? Uh, we're not going to read all of it. Uh, we're just going to see where it lands. So, if you've got Bible... Uh, open, up, open up your phone on your app, uh, otherwise it's going to be on the screens. We have some Bibles at the back. If you don't own a Bible, grab a Bible with our compliments as well. So, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me uh, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness... Uh, for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion and beyond to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes let's have the next slide Uh, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They, renew, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And it goes on and goes on. What we're going to land on today is this, uh, this phrase they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of God, it's absolutely true, and it was given to us, given to you and me in love. This, the, the passage here, it mentions different types of people that we're called to be. Uh, when we walk in righteousness, we begin to recognize and discern those things that God is doing. We talked about hitching ourselves up. Uh, we talked about representing Christ. We mirror his movements. We mirror ourselves to his movements. Righteousness is a life that of, as God intended. I need to talk about this term righteousness because I'm going to, uh, if I did a word count, I was, I was going to mention it time and time and time again. Uh, righteousness is common, commonly referred to as something that you believe is right or wrong. The plumb line, the, the line which uh, delineates this is good and this is bad. This is right and this is wrong. The trouble is, given our 21st century Western culture, and particularly London culture, with its varying opinions on on what's right and wrong, what's morally right, what's acceptable in my own eyes. Uh, We can have a wide range of definitions on this this word righteousness based on our own uh, culture. Uh, The Bible teaches us that righteousness is based on what God says about what makes us right in his eyes. Let me say that again. The Bible teaches us that our righteousness is based on what God says about what makes us right in his eyes. Uh, what makes us righteous in, in his eyes is nothing to do about what we've done. That's probably a good, good thing to hear. It's nothing to do with what we've done. Uh, what it is, is everything to do is it's our response to his grace by believing through faith that God has told us and demonstrated about salvation through his son. How how do you receive righteousness? Let me just give you some, um, some theology. People receive righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ because he is our savior. Jesus was the sinless son of God and he took humanity's sin upon himself because he became a willing, perfect sacrifice. And he suffered, this is what we believe as followers of Jesus, he suffered the punishment that mankind deserved. And what God the Father did is he accepted Jesus' sacrifice and, and because of that, all people have become justified before a holy God. And so in turn, as followers of Jesus, we receive the righteousness of Christ. Uh, this doctrine is called uh, imputation. I was going to get you to say it to each other, but I thought it sounded a bit weird. It's called imputation. It's Christ's perfect righteousness. It's applied to imperfect human beings like you and me, you and me, ordinary people like you and me. Christ's righteousness has become applied, attached itself to you and I. I was trying to think how do I how do I explain this a bit more? Uh, imagine Bill Gates. You get an email from Bill Gates or you get a letter from his bank and say, you are now an equal account holder to Bill Gates. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You have got uh, authorised signatory, here's your pin, here's your card. Do whatever you want with Bill Gates' uh, fortune. That'd be awesome. Without, we haven't done anything to deserve it, But suddenly, we've come attached to Bill Gates' fortune. Uh, Let me just say this spiritually. Um, Christ's righteousness has been credited to your spiritual bank account. We don't deserve it. Because of Christ's righteousness, we become holy before a holy God. Every day as you walk with Christ, you will always have $3 Pounds in your deposited in your spirit, spiritual bank account. Every every morning you wake up, you have been credited as holy. You've been credited as righteous. Uh, Paul talks about put it, putting on the breastplate of righteousness in Ephesians six. Um, I just want to talk about that. Just uh, the righteousness doesn't only protect your heart; it releases your heart. The bio, Paul talks on. He says, "Put on the breastplate of righteousness." What he's saying is, keep righteousness close to your heart. Stay conscious of Christ in every moment, everywhere, in every environment. Stay close to the righteousness of Christ. Clearly, the Bible isn't saying um, try to be good all the time. For many of us here, we tried that life. We can testify that that life on my own just doesn't work. I need a saviour, I need a Christ, I need forgiveness, I need hope, I need a king, I need a coach, I need a, a guide, I need a captain to drive my ship. I can't do it on my own. But what we're doing is, we're, what we're saying about righteousness is if we're staying in God's expansive goodness. We're, we're allowing his perfection, his wholeness, his righteousness to govern your heart, to, co- to guard your heart, to govern your heart. And uh, I just want to say this, righteousness is, the righteousness of God is a divine welcome into a story uh, that we could never create or generate by ourselves. We cannot generate righteousness by ourselves. It's not invented righteousness by ourselves through our own efforts. It's this imputed righteousness through his grace. And Paul goes on in the armor of God, we stand firm with a breastplate of righteousness it's not an introspective thing. And again, we're not constantly measuring our morality based on our past performance or anyone else's past performance. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad. I mean, you look at them, they're, they're, surely they're a lot more worse than me. Surely I'm more righteous than them. We don't compare or judge our own righteousness from, from other people. Um, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we, get, we declare that God has set things right for us. We announce that all things are being made new, and it starts with us. Uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah is a book about justice, and righteousness and justice flow together. We're saying that injustice has been overturned, immorality has been overthrown, and beauty is redeeming all things. Uh, and I, we, we just want to say the atmosphere of the Father has come to town. The house of prayer is just something that we've, we haven't just thought of it. This is God's heart for, for our city. It's the atmosphere of the Father coming, coming to our city, and it starts with us. Just put your, just, just go with me, would you? Just put your hand on your heart. Uh, we're going to say a couple of declarations about Righteousness. Okay, say this with me. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me. Who knew no sin to be sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, say this also. I am vulnerable and open to righteousness. And my life is becoming a place of divine hope, a centre of transformation. You see, Isaiah—he don't have to repeat this. Isaiah—he—he he got <laughs> Isaiah six. He's caught up with this holy God. He realises his own weaknesses, and he realises that he's standing before a holy God. But in that moment of holiness, of righteousness, he's then compelled to go. He's then compelled to go. Those two things run hand in hand. Righteousness and this compelled to go, this justice come together. As I read the scriptures and look at the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, it's my belief that social justice is at the very heart of the gospel. Jesus quoted this scripture in in Luke 4. To begin, he began his ministry. If you look for a mission, mission statement of Jesus, it's this. It's Isaiah 61. And he says this, that he, has, he announced his mission to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the focus on, on this type of justice is, that, is the kingdom that Jesus brought, a kingdom that reflects the character and deeds of God. It's a kingdom ruled by a king who says in, in Amos, another prophet, he says this, let justice roll down like water and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. Jesus saw the people that he preached to as harassed and helpless. He saw them as victims of injustice who were powerless to help themselves. And he linked his healing ministry with ministry for the poor because he saw both as himself bringing justice to both. In the Sermon on the Mount, he announced that God's blessing were for those that hunger and thirst for justice. And Jesus drew this connection between the kingdom of, uh, the kingdom and the command to love one's neighbor as, as oneself. He sees that part of our, our flow of uh, righteousness and justice is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Even if you have to cross r- racial and ethnic barriers to get there. But Jesus brings this challenge, and this is where, where we want to maybe land on. Um, uh, He says this in Matthew 5, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And so it is free, it's imputed, but our obedience requires private righteousness as well as standing for justice and righteousness in the world. We need both. We need private and personal righteousness and then public and demonstration of of Jesus' power publicly. And as a church, we're, we're seeking to bring practical ways of compassion and justice, but also pray for issues of injustice. And if you're thinking about hooking on to our ship, if you're thinking about partnering with us and making this your home, our leaning as a church is going to be a compassionate church. Uh, and I believe that a church is compassionate. It's supernaturally in power. We demonstrate with signs and wonders and miracles and healing. And so this year we're planning on developing our projects further. But also to sense what God is saying to us. What are some other projects that he is wanting to do? What is, what is the Lord wanting to do in us? Um, but I want to spend the rest of our time uh, talking about being privately righteous alongside our practical practical righteous acts. Um, so bear with me, forgive me. Uh, I, want to, I want to talk about one aspect of private righteousness and I want to talk about the negativity that many of us face. A negativity by learning... Um, Uh, Let me just pause. We can't change our negativity by learning to become more positive. We don't do self-help programs. The best way to fight your negativity is to step into your righteousness. Your righteous persona uh, that God has has declared over you. Uh, When you own how God sees you, some of the negative stuff immediately uh, dissipates around you. But there are things from our past, there's things from our history, our upbringing, and so on and so on and so on, that have a claim on us in the present because we've adopted them as a lifestyle. And these are the things that God wants to get rid of first. So God comes down to bring his new identity. Sometimes that negativity goes away other times the negativity hits what God is trying to say Uh, God loves your true true identity do you know that he loves it he loves your true true identity and wants to tell you who you are that's why we love prophecy in the church prophecy is simply God introducing himself to you and, and your true identity but also your true purpose what am I on earth for What am I here for? And it's a God who wants to give you his heavenly identity and wants uh, to meet you and to help you adopt and discover your true identity. But what happens is when the negativity comes out and God comes to meet us uh, with our righteousness, this is where the the negativity hits us. Because God is wanting to seal his ownership on you And often what happens is your negativity, your attitudes that you've owned maybe for years or years or decades, they rise up. And I believe this is where many of us are facing this confrontation because of old habits, old things that have happened, they continually hit again and again and again and again. Uh, Jesus talks about the need to bind the strong man before entering his house. What if your strong man is your fear? What if the strong man that you're facing is your anxiety or your timidity, or your anxiety, the worry that you face? That's such a stronghold in your life that God's going to have to deal with that before he can enter your house. What I'm going to do now is just play a game of battleships. I'm just going to throw out some things and I might miss or I might hit, but there might be some things here that... that hurt, there's an ouch moment that's why I said earlier please forgive me Um, but I'm just going to play battleships I'm just going to throw out some negativity that as human beings we face Um, it it could mean your negativity is that you think like a victim or you're battling with low self-esteem it may be that you're just utterly judgmental or prejudice. Or it may be that you're too cautious and fearful. And it's, and it's easier for you to be anxious than it easy is, is for you to trust God. Maybe your first inclination is to worry about something. Then believe God for something. Maybe you're just too hesitant or pessimistic. Or maybe that's just got, you know, so your pessimism has gone far beyond that and you've entered sarcasm and cynicism. Uh, you have a cynical view of yourself, cynical view of others, cynical view of the church, cynical view of your surroundings. Maybe you've learned to be bitter, resentful, or maybe you're just easily offended. Maybe just you're easily offended. Uh, the Bible talks about fear of man, or it might be that you've got a fear of being wrong, fear of looking stupid, a fear of being out of control, uh, fear of taking risks maybe that that risk for you you don't want to face that risk because you're going to look like an idiot if it goes wrong i talk about for some of us we dance with our doubts might be that you just dance with doubts continually uh, doubt and unbelief maybe uh, like me i've struggled with uh, self-hatred um Maybe it's hard for you to forgive yourself. Maybe you're just unworthy. You just don't deserve any of this. When I first started uh, following Jesus, because of my past, before, before I met Jesus, in my words, my life was so bad. And for years after I started following Jesus, I, I thought I wouldn't get to heaven. Everyone else would get in, apart from me, because of all the things I've done, done wrong. I didn't deserve to be accepted by God for all the wrong things I've done. In my childhood and in my teenage years, I thought I was a mistake. I thought I should never have been born. Uh, sometimes I entertained suicide. I don't deserve to be alive. I didn't deserve to be alive. And so, through counselling and understanding what Jesus has done for me, what the what the cross has done for me, what this imputed righteousness has done for me, things have begun to drop off. Some things I talked about the negativity. Some of those things have just dropped off. Other things that through counselling and, uh, and my wife, uh, those things have <laughs> begun to drop off. <laughs> um, it might be you, you, you've got a similar past to me. Uh, maybe you've just been bullied, a- abused, accused, uh, physically, sexually, mentally scarred. Sometimes the product of our environment, our upbringing in the world, Uh, means that we've just been pressed down we've been uh, bent over it shaped us into a mold into a person into persona but it's got nothing to do with your identity in christ or your identity as a kingdom person and this is this is where i want to if you remember anything remember this the real truth is all of this belongs to jesus He paid the price price for it. It belongs to him. It's not who you are. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. He didn't just die for for your sin. He died for the effects of it as well. The the righteous man who makes you righteous died to all that negativity that you're facing, all that anxiety that you're facing, uh, he died for all that personality that works against you, that holds you down, that keeps you back, that keeps you more. Um, I hope you understand this. That he died for the, the part of your personality that keeps you more present past than present future. Does that make sense? In your outlook? Does anyone think like that? Your present past outlook versus present future outlook. Uh, he died for all that negativity which means your anxiety doesn't belong to you. It means all of that negativity, it doesn't, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to him. You belong to him. And you need to give it back. <laughs> we all need to give it back, because it doesn't belong, that stuff doesn't belong to us. Again, I'm not talking about sin. We need to give that anyway. Anyway. We need to repent of that sin, but we need to give that personality which isn't our identity, our true identity from heaven. The Bible talks about you becoming more Christ-like, you becoming righteous. And it involves absolutely, deliberately, consistently partnering with God in every, every environment, partnering with God to get rid of all that stuff that you don't need. And he doesn't want you to have it either. Uh, your wife doesn't want it. <laughs> your husband doesn't want it. Your your kids don't want it. Your friends they don't want it. Um, your workplace they don't want it. Our city they don't they don't want that. They want you fully alive in Christ. Jesus paid a price for it, and you need to give it back. I've lost where I am. That's why I'm padding it out. <laughs> Okay, there are a number of ways we can do this, and this morning we're going to have an awkward spiritual de- detox. It's an absolutely awkward spiritual detox. I believe that the awesome lays just beyond the awkwardness. It's really true. I, I believe it's just beyond those awkward moments, and so uh, if you're considering hitching your boat to us, welcome to the awkward church. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the awesomes in the awkward. Um, and so what we're going to do is we I think our hospitality team are going to hand out some cards. And if you need a, need a pen, do that. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. We've got some cards here. Um, okay, we're just setting things up. Okay, we, we haven't talked about the awkward bit yet. So what we're going to do is we're going to write down some of the things, maybe the battleship moment, some of the things that you felt prompted to do or you feel the Holy Spirit saying, just write those things down. And then what we're going to do, um, uh, uh, Matt is just setting up a shredder And I'm going to ask Paul, Paul Howe, uh, partly because he looks like a carpenter and looks like Jesus. (laughs) He's going to come and um, hold the cross here, um, and then we're going to place the shredder in front of the cross. And then what we want to do is, as you write them down, just come forward and shred your shame, shred your stuff. All that negativity, all that unrighteousness, it might be sin, it might be some shame. Uh, all the things maybe you thought, said, and done, you just want to write it down. And metaphorically, we're going to hand them before Christ. And we're going to see them disappear. The, the noise you hear uh, will be a symbol of the pain that Jesus suffered to rid you of your sin and shame. Uh, and so, uh, why don't we do that for a couple of minutes? And then uh, we're going to move some chairs, if we can, around. And if you'd like to, once you've done that, just to come and sit or kneel before the cross to give that, give that to pray, to give that to Jesus, then, then do that. Or if you want to stand and you want someone to partner with you in prayer, then do, do that as well. Does that make sense? Just nod, like, yeah. politely. Thanks, 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 thanks. What we want to do is stay in... God's expansive goodness in in these moments. We're going to allow his perfection, his wholeness, his righteousness to govern your heart, to guard your heart. We're going to allow the atmosphere of his heart to set the climate of your heart. And as you shred these things, receive a deposit in your spiritual bank account. Some of you may feel something, some of you may not, but your act of faith, I guarantee, will be honoured by the Lord. So in your own time, come and um, shred your stuff before Jesus. And then in a few minutes, we're going to invite the worship team to come and lead us in a few songs.